And joining us now is Mike Morrell. Mike, welcome back. Brian, it is fantastic to be with you again. I've been tracking you. I've been uh, looking for your comments to find out where we go from here on one of the most, you know, the most compelling arguments in our country because you're talking about our safety. First off, when I was watching that raid today, I was so glad you were on the show because you could probably make heads or tails of it. Pre-dawn raid, in darkness, it goes all the way through the morning, and in the end, the, one of the guys is so blown up, we do not know if he's the mastermind. Right. What do you think it tells you, the fact that they actually think he was still in Paris? So um, if he was the mastermind um, and if we, he was indeed there, um, it really tells me that he was probably there to plan additional attacks. And the fact that this woman had a suicide vest and had it on suggests to me that that planning may have been underway. You know, the CIA director, John Brennan, uh, the other day said that there are more plots in the pipeline here. He was very clear about that. You know, Paris was the first. He was very clear that more are coming. I wonder if what, if the guys in that in that particular location were another attack about ready to happen. Why, you know, there was, a, there was about 160 raids the day after, Mike, and I'm just wondering, being that they were attacked in January in France, why would they take a, another major attack for them to stage raids like this? Did they not realize the urgency? What changed? So we really didn't see this coming, Brian. Um, you know, there was, um, I'm, my understanding is that there was no intelligence, there were no dots to be connected here. Um, and this was this was different in, in in two significant respects from what happened in January, right? This was directed. This was this was planned, conceived, organized, and directed from Raqqa in Syria, from the ISIS leadership, right? Charlie Hebdo was not. The other was the size, the complexity, um, the damage that this done, that this one did, right? Much much greater than compared to Charlie Hebdo. Um, what's really concerning, right, is a large number of operatives. You have to get explosives. You have to get weapons. You have to organize. You have to communicate among yourselves to do all that. You have to communicate back to Iraq and Syria. How did we miss all that? I think we're going to learn that we missed all that because these guys have learned how to use these encrypted communications that the government can't break and that the makers of these, of these communications systems do not produce a key for, right? I think we're going to learn that that is how they flew under the radar here, and that is very significant for the safety of our own country here. Uh, man, are you uh, on the money? Here's Senator Dianne Feinstein talking to, uh, uh, talking to Andrea Mitchell. Uh, and Excuse me, what Dianne Feinstein told Andrea Mitchell. Well, let's listen. When she went to Silicon Valley, 19. We are still in the dark because of exactly what you were talking about, which is this end-to-end -end encryption. Uh, Diane Feinstein told me the other day that she, you know, she went to Silicon Valley. These are her constituents. This is a major industry in her state of California. She argued with the general counsels of all of the major companies, and they stonewalled her. They, said, they just said, <laughs> they, they said, you know, go away. This is the senior member on the Intelligence Committee, the ranking member, and also the you know, veteran. Wow. So what does that tell you? So we're going to have, Brian, we are going to have another debate in this country about privacy versus security, right? Um, those companies are where they are because of what Edward Snowden did, right? He, he, he led us down the road of keyless encryption because our companies were having a very difficult time selling their products overseas because people overseas – because of Snowden, mistakenly believed that the U.S. government was in every software and hardware that U.S. firms were producing, right? That was nonsense, but Snowden caused that. 
um, and we're going to have another debate about it, right? And I hope that that uh, security ends up on the on on the winning side here. But here's what concerns me, Brian, is that even if we in the United States do the right thing with regard to encryption. Um, we still have the rest of the world to deal with, right? The rest of the world is producing um, encrypted communication applications. And so not only do we need to do the right thing, but the rest of the world does as well. And that is going to be really hard. You know, maybe Europe will get get in the right place now, but you you can you can buy these applications um, well outside of the United States and outside of Europe. Yeah, we don't control it anymore. I want you to Correct. see I want to see if you agree with King Abdullah from Jordan, what he said yesterday, cut twenty five. We are facing a third world war against humanity, and this is what brings us all together. This is a war, as I've said repeatedly, within Islam. And unfortunately, over 100,000 Muslims have been murdered by Daesh alone uh, over the past two years. And that doesn't also count for the atrocities that like-minded groups uh, have also done in Africa and Asia. You believe that you believe that he's is he overstating it? No, he's not. You know, I call it the Great War of Our Time, right? He calls it the Third World War. I think in my mind they're the same things. Look, ISIS is not only a terrorist group. It is also a revolutionary political movement, right? And what they want is not just their caliphate in Iraq and Syria, right? They're not, they're not just going to be happy with that. They want a caliphate everywhere in the world. They want a caliphate here where we would live under their extreme religious views. Um, and that, that, that extremist ideology, that revolutionary political ideology is spreading like wildfire. There are militant groups and extremist groups in 20 countries now that have signed up to the to the ISIS philosophy. So world war, yeah, sounds right to me. Wow, uh, we're talking to Mike Morrell, former deputy uh, director of the CIA. So yesterday, we understand there were 25 backfire bear blackjack bombers who are coordinated long-range missile air raids. Whatever the Russians do, they were bombing multiple sites yesterday. They're coordinating now with France, who have bombed maybe 60 sites in three days. I thought we were fighting ISIS for 18 months. How did we leave all these uh, terror targets naked, number one? And number two, why did we allow oil to proliferate through the black market from ISIS to fill their coffers? Yeah, Brian, this is a this is a tough issue, um, and there are there are costs, there are there are benefits of being the moral leader in the world, and there are costs of being the moral leader in the world. Right? We have a very high standard when it comes to collateral damage. Um, you know, we don't want to kill women and children. We don't want to create environmental disasters by taking out oil wells. You know, I understand that. Um, but the downside, right, is that the bad guys know that. The bad guys know that we don't want to kill women and children. So what do they do? They surround themselves with women and children. Um, and so, you know, it, 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 it's, you got to find the right balance here. And, but, but I'll tell you one thing. In World War II, right, in World War II, we did not worry about collateral damage because we knew what we were facing in Adolf Hitler. And, you know, what King Abdullah just said is absolutely right. Mike, so I think yeah. I think we need to ease up on the rules of engagement a bit. And you think that we're way too cautious. And the fact that they can hit these sites right away shows that we were not doing everything we said we we're going to do. And I don't know why we have to agree that this is going to be a long battle against ISIS. They took these Mosul, Ramadi, Fallujah in about 90 days. Why can't they be dislodged in about, I don't know, 180 days? To me, this is not as tough as the surge. Do you disagree? 
Well, I do a little bit. Here's why. Um, you know, um, when they first expanded, Brian, um, we, we, we pushed back initially, right? And we probably took back 20, 25% of their territory. That was over a year ago now. In that year, right, in that year, they haven't grown any bigger, but they've solidified their control within the area that they have. And they have essentially, Brian, in every respect of the word, become a state. Um, so they have a police force larger than their military, right? They have a judiciary. They have laws. They, have, they run schools. They run hospitals. Um, they, they, they generate tax revenue. They make a lot of money from oil, tens of millions of dollars a month, right? So this is, this is no longer just a terrorist group or an insurgent group. This is a state um, in every respect of the word except foreign relations. They don't have that. So I think dislodging them from that state is going to be more difficult than simply pushing a terrorist group out of a particular area. Right. At least it's a real we, challenge, yeah. right? And we, we simply can't do it with air power alone. I think that's a really important lesson here. Do you believe that would – you, would you be in support of putting American ground troops, and if so, how many, from tactically – from what you can tell from your network position – I know you're not going to Langley anymore, Mike – but what, right. what, what do you think is a number that you could live with? So, so, so here's what I'd say is that um, I think it's a bit of a false choice between saying the only choice we have is between where we are today and 100,000 U.S. troops on the ground, right, actually doing the fighting. There's, there's a big range in there. Um, I don't know, right? Um, I want the military. I want – but um, um, if I were the president, what I would say is, okay, I have set my objective as the defeat of ISIS. Then I would say to my military, how do I do that? Give me, give me the options to accomplish that goal, right? So I would, I, would, I would leave it up to the military to tell me what, what was necessary to achieve that objective. I do believe that one of the things we need to do, besides looking at the restrictive um, rules of engagement, I think we need to, as a first step, put many, many more special forces on the ground, much nearer to the front of the battle, right? Not actually doing the fighting, but advising the guys doing the fighting on the front lines and being in a much better position to call in precision airstrikes. That seems to me like a logical next step here. But I think we need to review our whole policy. Would you be in support of uh, accepting 10,000 Syrian refugees? So this is, another, this is another tricky one, right? This has become very, very political. Here's what I would say, is we took a very large number of refugees from Iraq um, after the Iraq War. We put them through a very, very stringent process to try to make sure that we weren't letting any terrorists in the country. Um, there has not been a single terrorist attack committed here by any of those Iraqi refugees. Now, the process took a long time. We ended up, um, we ended up putting some of them at Guantanamo as we went through the process. So as long as there is a rigorous process that we have confidence in, Brian, I'm okay with the refugees coming here. But there's nobody, um, but, without, but they don't have a rigorous process, and you know this, Mike, that there's no system, there's no government to check it with. So, so, so if we can have a rigorous process, I'm okay with it, Brian. If we can't, then I'm not. All right. Lastly, is there a problem with Russia leading this attack against, uh, against ISIS? Um, yes. Yes. Um, you know, the Russian, the Russian goal here is to prop up Assad. Um, Assad is part of the problem. They've now made it more difficult for Assad to go away. And they're also, they're also uh, increasingly being seen in the world as the potential solution to this problem. That's not great for U.S. leadership.
Yeah, I think it's terrible, uh, and people think it's the easy way out. They're also going to want influence after they get uh, after they get the land back. Sure, Mike. Sure. Uh, thanks so much. We need you to defect from CBS and come here full time. <laughs> okay, Brian. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. All right, and by the way, go out and pick up his book, "The Great War of Our Time: The CIA's Fight Against Terrorism." Is that, is that on paperback yet? Um, not yet. All right, I'll work on that. So still in hardback. All right, good. Go pick All it up. Right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Brian. thanks so much, and it defines a lot of what we're going through right now.